Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. And we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. Alright guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Uh, I am young Ari Gold and I am here this week with our first AFC South deep dive. We are with Jason from just or from another Jags podcast. Jason, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us a little bit. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate you hitting me up. This is awesome. Yeah, we look forward to it. We do this every year. We go through the division, and we typically do it ourselves, and we thought maybe we'd change it up a little bit and get some uh, some professionals from the other teams to, to hop on and talk. So, um, all right, so where would you like to start? Would you like to tell us kind of your thoughts on the Texans and the offseason they had and and where you where you expect them to be, and then we hop into the Jags? Would that be all right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me start off by saying the Texans are my – uh, least hated ASD South team. So wow, I had no problem coming on here. I hate the Colts and I hate the Titans. The Texans, uh, we I'm, hate both too. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I got family in Houston actually, and uh, they're big Texans fans. So I've always kept my eye on the Texans a little bit just to kind of see how they're doing. Yeah, we we hate the Jag or no, we love the Jags. Uh, well, let's let's take that back. Let me phrase this. Last year, before you guys had a bad season, and the Jags fans came out of the woodworks and decided that like they were going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, it was kind of hard for us to take, but at the end of the day, it was never to the level of the Titans and Colts. So yeah, you guys definitely have more respect from us than than those other two. We hate the Titans obviously for personal reasons, and then the Colts just have owned the division for so long. Yeah, um, and, and any time a team goes from like really bad to really good, the way the Jags did in 2017, you're gonna have those fans with any fan base. Yeah. So I mean, we know they're there, but they're all gone now. So we'll see if they come back. <laughs> the oh, they all went to the Browns because now the Browns yeah, fans exactly. are, are doing it. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So what? So like, what is the thought of the Texans from your perspective? And then kind of also, you know, what you're. What you're hearing from Jags fans, what are the expectations? Like, is there any concern of the Texans in the division for the Jags right now? Or, I mean, to be honest, like, the Texans had, like, a, like a quietly good year last year. Like, it was right. kind of – I mean, obviously, you guys beat us both times we played. I was there at the Week 7 game when you all won 20-7. to when We were both 4-3, and three, and it was, like, a pivotal game for the division. And – when y'all won that one, it was like that was kind of when our injuries started to stack up against us. We didn't have Fournette for like the first ten weeks of the season, and it was just we kind of got demoralized after that Texans game. And then the Week 17 game when we only scored three points on y'all. I mean, where was Cody Kessler was in the game? Bortles had come back. It was just it was a mess, man. Like last year, like it was just a mess. But the Texans had their fair share of injuries too. And the thing that like pretty much everyone associates with the Texans is poor offensive line play. And I know I'm yep. preaching to the choir to you guys here. But uh, it, was, it was interesting to see them draft uh, Titus Howard with that first pick. Uh, 
I mean, he wasn't on anyone's radar as being the guy that was going to go in the first round. And the Jags ended up getting Juwan Taylor. Like, yeah. what, what was what was what was Houston's response to that pick? Yeah, so, I mean, everything that we're hearing and reading and then sources that we're talking to say that Titus Howard was actually the number one tackle on their board going into the draft. Um, they liked his size. They liked his mobility. They liked what he brought to the table. They thought that he would be a future guy. A lot of a lot of the fan base was really upset when Philly traded up before us and took Andre Dillard mm-hmm. uh, because that was just one pick before. The, the fan base thought Dillard was the guy because Dillard was like the number one rated tackle right, according yeah. to Daniel Jeremiah and all the draft picks. Mm-hmm. One thing that we've realized, you know, while doing this, and I'm sure you too, is just when it comes to those, like, draft guys, they, they really have no idea. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they have an understanding on tape what these players are capable of doing, but none of them know who is on the board for the teams. Right. Outside of the war room, it's it's just the war room. And I, from what I've read and seen and, and heard, it's, it's it was Titus Howard the entire time. So um, I'm not upset with it. We needed a tackle. If that's who they identified as who their best tackle was going to be, I mean, Brian Gain drafted extremely well the year prior, considering we didn't have a first or a second round pick, and we got Justin Reed and our two tight ends. And you know, so I'm fine with it. I, you never know for three years anyway. Yeah. So it it really wouldn't matter. Uh, and it addressed the need. So a lot of Jags fans wanted Juwan Taylor. I mean, he played at Florida from the area, and so when we got him in the second round, we were all pretty pumped that, that he fell to us. So, Yeah, he, you know, it was funny the way, because he was like the second-rated tackle, and what I don't understand is, you know, they were saying that there's like an injury concern of some sort, but it doesn't seem, based on what I'm hearing out of Jack Scamper reading, that that has been an issue at all. No, yeah, that was kind of overblown, overhyped. I mean, he, he started as a freshman and played like – his entire three years at Florida. So it was never – injuries were never an issue. And then you guys got Max Sharping, right, in the third round? Any news? Yep. news on I mean, because the offensive line really is the biggest concern. And when the Texans didn't go out in free agency and really – I mean, oh, they got Matt Khalil. Um, but besides Matt Khalil, you know. Unfortunately. You know, you know, I'll say this about Matt Khalil. I watched a lot of um, Andrew Norwell tape last season because the Jags signed Norwell last year to a huge yep. deal. And I noticed yep. that Matt Khalil is not as bad as people think. And he, he's really and not. He made up a lot for uh, Norwell. Him and Norwell on that side, like, really was a killer combo. So I, I think you guys got a good signing of Khalil. I wanted the Jags to go after him. So I think with Khalil's just the injury history. And then I think a lot of what he did um, with being hurt and then, like, coming back sooner, he wasn't 100% healthy. So he, did, he wasn't as good as what he should have been given the size of the contract. So, unfortunately, we're in the era where, like, there's a contract associated with your name, and if you're not meeting that level, then you're automatically trashed instead right. of an average or okay player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't expect Matt Khalil to make the team, and the only reason for that is because is we'll save $3 million if we cut him, and we did take Max Sharping, who, from what I'm reading from everybody else, is that he was one of the seals of the draft, that he was a great tackle, but just out of a small school. Um, I think he was, like, the number two rated tackle in pass blocking. Um, I think they address needs throughout this entire draft, in my opinion. Now, will the offensive line be better? It can't be worse. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, it has to be better. Um, was it like, I don't want like, it. Was it, like, did I see, like, 60 sacks? Or yeah, 60, 62. 62 sacks. That is 
that's not good. When you got a guy like Bobby yeah. Watson, man, that's you got to protect that guy. I mean, he's he's a franchise guy. Yeah, no, he is. But a lot of the sacks were also on Deshaun Watson, and he'll tell you that too. He held on to the ball a lot. Um, he wasn't able to, you know, diagnose blitzes and pick up the reads that he needed to pre-snap. But uh, everything everything now is saying that those are the things he's learning. And I mean, this is the first off season where he's fully healthy and he's actually taking number one reps yeah. and, and doing all of that. So we'll um, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I don't think the offensive line can be worse. And our interior of our offensive line is okay. So if we could just get a, one solid – if we just hit on one of those guys, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's definitely the, you know, the issue that everyone here associates with. I mean, we, we thought that our front seven would just eat your offensive line. I remember going into week seven being like, we're going to set the franchise record for sacks because we just thought your offensive line was just going to be like minced meat. But – Ended up, uh, our you know we were pretty bad across the board everywhere. Our offense can't move, couldn't move the ball at all. So <laughs> you didn't have much to worry about. I mean, Houston's defense is really underrated. I mean, was it? I think the fourth defense with points allowed in the league. I mean, that's yeah. that's yeah. a quiet, like again, just a quiet team that just consistently played well last year. And I think that's kind of like Bill O'Brien's mo is like he just is so fundamentally sound. And uh, but. It's 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 going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, I actually really like Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien because I actually love I mean, Bill O'Brien. I, I'm a huge fan of people that just like run the entire team, like Bill Belichick. You know, these guys that just basically like just take over and do everything themselves. So I feel like that's how I would run a team. But I love yeah. the fact that he just you know calls the plays. I mean, isn't he like the GM now? I mean, is he, I mean he's technically the GM, is he not? So yeah, he, he's somewhat. Basically, he's the acting GM right now. Um, he did hire an offensive coordinator uh, this off season, so we'll see how that goes. But in the past, we've seen that he's actually always been the offensive yeah. coordinator, even when we have somebody that holds that title. Um, I love Bill O'Brien. I think he's a great coach. To be honest with you, I, I don't think he. I don't think people realize like the first four years he really didn't have, or three years he didn't have a quarterback. Um, he was just shuffling him around, and always had a good defense and and. Finished nine and seven and won the division twice. I, I don't really know what else you could expect from a coach without having a quarterback. And then now you've seen glimpses of what the offense can look like with Will Fuller healthy and DeAndre healthy, and keep now adding into the mix Kiki QT. It's like okay, we know that this offense could really like do some things because they're all different skill sets. Uh, but it's all going to come down to like Wolf Holder and Kiki QT uh, staying healthy, and we just did our positional review on the wide receivers. And I don't think there's a better team, a team that has a better wide receiver group than us. The problem is we have two guys who we don't know if ever will be healthy. Yeah. Like I think I think it's fair to say DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver oh, yeah. in the league. I like I like I liked him at, uh, coming out of Clemson. I mean, I remember yeah. he was playing next to Sammy Watkins, and everyone was hyping up. Sammy Watkins, and I was thinking, man, no, man, DeAndre Hopkins is the guy, you, you know, people need to be watching. And when the Texans got him, yeah. I was like, man, that's going to be terrible for us. And uh, Well, and then the best battles have been the last two years. Between oh, man, Ramsey and it's been awesome. I love watching those matchups. I mean, they're just – they both respect each other. They're both competitive. And it's uh, – I mean, if, if Jalen Ramsey respects you and, like, says you're good, that means you're really, really good because Jalen Ramsey – yeah, he wouldn't sure. anybody, does not give anybody credit. So that's how you know that, right. that he's really good. But, yeah, you're right, man. The health yeah. receiving core. You guys never really had much of a tight end threat uh, 
you know, that's kind of scared defenses, but they've just always been solid. Like, you know, this like solid blocking tight ends that can turn around in those three yard curls and and uh so yeah, I mean yeah, like just going back to what you were saying, I mean, wouldn't it like Brock Osweiler, like Brian Hoyer Brian Hoyer, Ryan Malik, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like Brock Osweiler, you know. Those guys. So it's like, yeah, he won a playoff game with Brock. I mean, that's an accomplishment yeah. in its own. That's probably like as the equivalent of a Super Bowl to most head coaches. So yeah, that's pretty um, impressive. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, this, Texans are going to be, you know, uh, a good team this year. And and the thing that's going to be interesting to see is is how does everyone else in the AFC South improve. I don't think the Titans are going to get much better next year uh, because they don't have a quarterback. Um, and nope. the Colts, they have a good quarterback, but they don't have much around him. I mean, the offensive line is improving, but not a lot of weapons up there. Defense is okay. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the AFC South this year for sure. Like, I mean, literally any team. The Colts, scare the, sh- the Colts scare the shit yeah. out of Yeah, well, Andrew Luck. They really do. I, th- I think they're a much better team than people think. That defense is coming together yeah. really well. Darius Leonard was, like, the surprise of the NFL last year. Their corners are actually pretty good. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, they have Eric Ebron now, who came out last year and just decided that he's going to show people he can play. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the Colts that just kind of scare me, and then obviously Andrew Luck is, is enough to make me somewhat concerned. Yeah. It- so. Yeah, I mean, if they can, uh, if they can improve that front seven. I mean, the the Jags had a great game with the uh, Titans this year, where it was like six to three and they lost. Then they had a great game against the Colts, where they won like nine to zero. So it's it's a weird division. I mean, you never know from week to week. I mean, when when the Texans only scored seven on the Colts in the first round of the playoffs, I was just like, that really surprised me because I don't know if they just were out game planned or. You know, I'm not sure what the issue was in that game, but I think we were all pulling for the Texans in that one because no one wants to see the Colts do do well down here. <laughs> no, yeah, I just rewatched that game. Um, I went through the all 22, and that was one of the worst games to ever have to like do a film analysis on. It was awful. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, let's get into the Jags. So, break down the Jags off season so far for us. Obviously, we know some of the stuff. Obviously, Nick Foles is a big one. Um, but you know, wh- what have the Jags done this off season? And then let's go through the expectations for Nick Foles, because I think there's mixed feelings around what can be expected from Nick Foles and what, uh, where, where things will go. Well, so. it's going to be, obviously it, it's, this off season was all about Nick Foles. I mean, it was $88 million contract. We basically broke the bank to bring in Nick Foles. A lot of people thought we may have overpaid for him. At the end of the day, you have to pay for your franchise quarterback if you're not going to draft him. Yep. So you don't see you don't see uh, mega contracts through quarterbacks work out very often. I mean, the the last two contracts that were even close to what Nick Foles got was one your boy Brock Osweiler getting that huge offseason deal, and then um, yep. Peyton Manning with the Broncos. So, I mean, those are the only two contracts that even look as big as what Foles got. And um, so one worked out, one didn't. They didn't do much to add um, on offense. They added Chris Conley from the Chiefs, who was like their third or fourth wide receiver, had like five touchdowns with the Chiefs last year. I like Conley. Yeah, I like him too. I think you're going to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, we will see. The 
we just did our breakdown of the receivers too, and it's just like, man, it's just a muddy group, man. It's just like Marquis Westbrook, Marquis Lee coming off an ACL injury, Chris Conley, Keelan Cole who disappeared last year. Yep. Terrell Pryor we picked up in free agency. Yeah. But that dude might not even make the team. So I mean, right. I, I don't know. They didn't do much on offense, and that concerns some people. Uh, but given how injured we were, I think everyone's just trying to get healthy this year. So if we get offensive line can get healthy, if the receiving core can get healthy, if Leonard Fournette can get healthy, um, I mean, the the biggest story of our team last year was injuries, and I don't think a lot needed to be added skill wise. We just need to get healthy. Um, we did lose some veterans on defense. We lost our boy Deshaun Gibson to you guys um, back there at safety. But we got some young safeties that looked pretty good last year. We lost uh, Malik Jackson, obviously. Um, yep. It's going to be a big hit to our defensive line. But drafting Josh Allen, I mean, getting him at seven was a steal. Um, the only concerns come into is we're, we're really small on defense. I mean, Ngakwe wasn't great against the run. Clayce Campbell is really good, but he's aging. You know, we have the whole Telvin Smith drama, which who knows what's going to happen with Telvin Smith. If he's ever yeah, he's not playing this year, right? He said he's taking the year off. And, I mean, how often does a player come back after taking a year off? And Never. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Miles Jack is small but good. And, he's a know, beast. Our safeties are small. Our corners are, are good, but they're not like, you know, Jalen Ramsey's elite, but Boye is not a great tackler. So the concern is teams being able to run it down our throats on defense. Um which a lot of teams did last year. So we didn't – basically the story of our offseason was Nick Foles and getting healthy is what our goal is. Okay. And what are – like what's the fan base feeling from like where they're at? Like the like you said, the wide receivers are, I mean, either like second-year, third-year guys that really haven't produced. And then you got Marcus Lee who has shown the potential of maybe he can be a number one. Um, Cole is a burner. Um, but he drops and then, balls last year. But he, but he drops yeah tons of balls. And then Westbrook, like that gadget wide receiver guy. Um, he's going to be the guy I think. Westbrook's going to be the guy that really takes the lead this year. I mean, okay. They tried to force Keelan Cole into that one role last year through the first like eight weeks of the season, and then finally they just gave up and started throwing with D.D. Westbrook. And Westbrook really shows you what he could do, uh, you know, 800 yards, five touchdowns with an offense that was terrible. I mean, yeah. that offensive line was so awful last year because of injuries. They, I mean, they, they had Eric Flowers starting at left tackle. That's how bad we were on the offensive line. Like Patrick Omame, a guy that we cut, we brought him back after he got cut from the Giants and started him at left guard. It's like, no one was going to be successful on that offense. Not Fournette, not Bortles, not Kessler, nobody. So it was just putrid. But the, the Jacks fans were kind of expecting a bounce-back year. I think the general consensus is about 10 wins uh, because, I mean, last year you had people saying 14-2, you know, going into yeah. that so hyped up. I mean, we had every national analyst was calling us to be Super Bowl favorites. Tony Romo predicted us to be in the Super Bowl. We were all riding high last year, but kind of brought back down to earth this year a little bit. And we still know our defense is good. We just need an offense that can keep them on the sidelines for just a little bit. And, and they've yeah. got to be elite, especially if Josh Allen gives us anything like we think. So expectations are high. I, I'm obviously a huge fan. So I'm expecting a little bit more than 10 wins because I think Nick Foles 
is going to be really good. I was really skeptical okay. of the signing when we first did it because it's a lot of money for a guy that has never proven that he can lead a team on his own. I mean, the, ch- right. the chance he got in Philadelphia the first time didn't work out. The chance he got in St. Louis when it was with the St. Louis Rams didn't work out. And when he was on those Eagles teams that were good, he had a lot of talent around him. The number one offensive line in the league. He had guys like Alshon Jeffries, Golden Tate, Darren Sproles, uh, the tight end, uh, uh, was it Kelsey? Zach Hurts. Hurts, yeah. And uh, it's just, that's a, it's a, that was a solid team around him. So there's a lot of skeptics here, but the more I see him, I mean, the dude is a, is a leader. And that's what we were missing with Bortles is like a, a leader. And uh, that's why Eagles fans were so sad to see him go because they, were, they knew like the quality of character that they were losing in Nick Foles. And he's a really high-character guy. And um, that's kind of what you want to see in a quarterback for me. Yeah. Okay. So your your expectations for Foles is to be able to step in and, and really just kind of take the reins and just see an improved player at the quarterback position, which is really what all you guys needed was just – an above-average quarterback, I think. Yeah, that's what kind of puts us in, like, a weird spot because that is all we need is an above-average quarterback, but we paid him $88 million. So yeah. the question is, like, could you have brought in uh, Tyrod Taylor? Could you have brought in uh, Teddy Bridgewater for – Josh Rosen. A fraction of that and then upgraded some of your receivers or upgraded your offensive line. So that's the kind of the question that Jags fans have right now. Uh, but if Foles is, like you said, if Foles plays it well enough to get our defense back to where they were, then, you know, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Leonard Fournette. Where where do Jacks fans right now with Leonard Fournette? I mean, he's missed a ton of games. He really hasn't been the most productive running back given where he was drafted. Um, our expectations this season that – Fournette's going to get back to the player that they expected him to be when they drafted him, or is like the expectation that he's going to miss a couple games, but when he's on the field, like he's going to be a difference maker. Yeah, uh, people are pretty pissed off at him right now. Um, he has a lot of off the field issues. The injuries you can you can forget. I mean, he's a running back in the modern NFL. Injuries are going to happen, but it's the yeah. off the field issues, man. It's the it's the issue. It's missing team meetings and team pictures. It's you know sitting on the last week of the season last year against the Texans. You know they were showing him just sitting on the bench. You know not cheering on the team, not involved at all, helmet off. And it's those things that are starting to frustrate Jags fans. But he it has a lot more value than his stats indicate. Like people like to get hung up on that he's never been a big yards per carry guy. But I mean we run that guy into the ground and. I mean, he, he missed – he got hurt week one last year, came back week 10, and they gave him, like, 33 touches in his first week back for, after missing nine weeks. It's like, what are you expecting out of this guy? Like, you gotta you got to ease him in slowly. You can't, like, just throw him back in the fire like that. But when he's healthy, he is, I think, one of the best backs in the league because of how fast he can hit his top speed. Sure. I mean, with, there was – there, he had in 2017. He had two runs against the Steelers that were the two fastest runs of the entire season, hitting like 23 miles per hour. Like the guy is big and he's fast, and that's a, he's a rare breed. You know, like almost like an Adrian Peterson type, right? That can be big and fast. Um, but his injuries are his concern. If he's on the field, he's going to be good. The question is, is can he get on the field? 
that's the biggest question with him uh, because when he's on the field, he plays like the number four pick. And a lot of people wanted Deshaun Watson down here in that draft for sure. I mean, I'm sure. Deshaun Watson. But, you know, it's just really high to take where he was projected to go. But you look back at it now and you're like, who cares? If he's your franchise quarterback, take him wherever you got to take him. Yeah. But he, when he's on the field, he plays up to that. It's just, like I said, can he stay healthy? Yeah. Okay. All right, so you brought up Ramsey and Bouye. Um, I want to get to Bouye, obviously, being a former Houston Texan. Um, when he left, it was very hard for a lot of the fans to understand kind of what was going on. Um, and then he was coming off a crazy season. But with Jalen Ramsey, I think uh, obviously every Texans fan knows who he is. Um, he's a hell of a corner. He's probably one of my favorite corners to watch in the league just in general, him and Patrick Peterson. But with him not getting a contract this season – you know, are there any internal, you know, issues like with fans and you guys take on Jalen staying a Jag next year? Well, I mean, this is only the fourth year, so he really isn't due a contract until next year. Um, and it's, I don't think it's so much the Jags didn't want to extend him this offseason. It's that they, like, financially couldn't. Is this, the fifth, is this his fifth-year option this year? No, next year will be his fifth-year option. Next year is his fifth-year option. Yeah. Okay. This is his fourth year. So he's still, I mean, technically we're still okay. Um, if, if he doesn't get a contract next season, then I'll, I'll flip out. Um, sure. He's my favorite player that we've had here in a long time. And But um, he's fine. He's, he's going to get max money. Um, if, I mean, he's legit one of the best players in the NFL. I mean, the plays that he made last year – I mean, people don't see some plays that he made because he had a couple of interceptions, like in the uh, in the Steelers game last year, that got like called back on penalties that were just the most freakishly athletic plays you'll ever see in your life. And then, but they didn't count, so they don't show the replays of them. But he does things like that on a regular basis. That's just like insane. I mean, he makes. I mean, when they play a cover three and he's playing, you know, the sideline, there was a play where uh, Tashawn Gibson came down and bit on a pump fake. And he got to the middle of the field and covered the third. Like, it was the wow. most insanely athletic play I've ever seen. And he will get extended, but there's so many guys that Jags have to extend coming up. And gockway has got to get a new contract this year. He's going to be – I mean, he's going to get $100 million. Um, yeah. Miles Jackson going to get – needs a contract here soon. Honestly, Boye is probably going to have to get restructured if we're going to want to keep him. And um, I think that he will because – the entire defense took a step back last year from that crazy 2017 season. But yep. Boye's step back last year was a little more significant than um, others. And Boye's okay. a good player, and he's still – I mean, obviously, there's probably the best tandem corners in the league. You know, I'm behind, yep. But, uh, I would um, agree. It's, that's, I mean, that's a nasty, nasty tandem back there. So I think they will – I think Boye will want to stay with Ramsey. I think they'll want to stay together. Um, the question mark in the secondary is going to be – the safeties. I mean, we're looking at Gerard Wilson, who is like a third-year player, undrafted free agent, special teams guy, and then Ronnie Harrison, second-year guy out of Alabama. So safety position's a little, you know, up in the air right now, but with those two guys on the outsides, being able to just man cover whoever they need to, um, it's pretty it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. But, no, I don't think the contract is an issue um, he did say that he would have given the Jags a hometown discount if they would have signed him yeah. this year, but I don't know if I believe that. Ramsey talks a lot. And, uh, he talks a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, that could have just been something that he was saying. So 
Yeah, there's a Texans fans are hoping and praying that you guys don't extend him and we get him because uh, he he has a him and Deshaun share the same agent, David Maguileta, and uh, there's a, a pretty heavy relationship between Deshaun and Jalen. So, um, yeah, we're 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 I'll, I'll be honest, we're hoping that something happens to where you guys don't extend him. <laughs> we have a chance. Cause well, I think they, everyone in the league's thinking that because yeah, absolutely. It's a I mean, he's a. They were talking. I was listening to a some like the Ringer podcast, and they were talking about the year that Cleveland had like the first pick and the fourth pick, and they took Baker Mayfield in uh, the corner. They were like theoretically, Ward. yeah, they're theoretically going through like what would they trade for those two picks, and they said the only non-quarterback that possibly they might that would maybe be worth that would be Jalen Ramsey, and mm. it, it probably he's not quite there, but it's just the fact that he's like in the conversation just shows you how good that he is. Yeah, I mean he's a physical man corner that can also play zone, has this freak speed. Uh, I mean, and then you also get the character that you want, like at least I want from a corner. That's the type of corner I want, you know, prime Deion Sanders, you know. That's, those are what you saw from the best corners in the 80s and 90s. So uh, that's – I love Jalen. I think he's an amazing cornerback. Um, all right, tell us a little bit about Sean Gibson. Uh, we we lost Tyron Matthew. Most people think that that's a big deal. It's actually not. Where we we got a, I think we got a better player in Gibson than Tyron, but most people wouldn't tell you that because he has a nickname that's cool called the Honey Badger. So yeah. people yeah. buy into what he played, but he's he was awful for us last year, um, and he's not worth fourteen million dollars a year. But tell us about Deshaun Gibson and kind of what we could expect. Right, Deshaun Gibson was a cap casualty this year, and even though he his contract was only like six million dollars. Like, we needed every dollar for Nick Foles uh, just because of everything we have coming up. So it's not that we didn't want him or that he was a bad player. We just couldn't afford him. Uh, we're, we don't have cap issues, but we don't have a lot of cap room. Um, and he's a good player. He, Like I said, everyone in the defense took a step back last year because the front seven couldn't get pressure if they could in 2017. But um, his biggest issue is that sometimes he gets lost in coverage. His eyes get caught in the backfield. But his biggest strength is that he's a super athletic safety that can make a play when the ball's in the air. And that's what is fun to watch, and that's what you like to have back there. Um, he, he's, a, he's a solid tackler. He can come up in, into the box when he needed to. He is a pretty instinctual player um, besides the times when he gets he, – he, his eyes get big. Right when he sees like a quarterback looking at a receiver, he'll jump it trying to get an interception, and sometimes okay. that benefits him, and sometimes it hurts him. And so he just takes a lot of chances at times. And uh, I think you guys are getting a solid player. He's definitely better than Matthew for sure. He's got the size of a safety. Uh, he's he's got experience. Uh, and he's great against tight ends. Oh yeah, really good against tight tight ends. I mean, we're losing uh, Gibson and Barry Church at the safety position this year. But uh, Church just fell off the end of the year, so Gibson kind yeah. of pick up some of that slack. Um, he's a good player. You guys are going to really like him. He's going to help with that with that secondary. I mean, Br- uh, Roby and uh, uh, Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, Colvin is going to be a great nickel corner. We know that firsthand. Yeah. So we. Yeah, we. That's the thing. So I wanted to get to Colvin. So he got hurt. We didn't really see him. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he didn't play at the end of the season because he was not very good or if he was hurt. But, you know, every when we signed them last year, Jags fans were so upset that you guys lost them uh, and basically said that he was like the underrated guy of the defense that people just didn't talk about. 
you know, what was your experience with Colvin, and, and what are your thoughts on him? Well, Colvin has an interesting story, and you kind of have to kind of understand, like, how he came to Jacksonville to understand why Jags fans loved him so much. Gus okay. Bradley coached him in the Senior Bowl, and he tore his ACL at the Senior Bowl. And Gus Bradley told him, don't worry, we're going to come get you. And so Gus Bradley drafted Colvin, even though he tore his ACL. He missed his entire first year and then came in, and he played really well. So everyone was, like, already rooting for him to be good. And he was kind of an underdog his whole life. And he is a really, really solid zone coverage corner. He, in man, he kind of didn't do as great as you would like him to do sometimes, but really solid in zone. But actually, his biggest benefit, his biggest trait, is he is a great blitzing corner. I mean, if you can bring him, like, if the Texans need to bring him on blitzes and off of the edge, because, I mean, he, there was seasons he had like three and four sacks at, from a DB. And it's, wow. and he, he knows how to get down the line the way a DN does. And, and he is, he does a lot for you. He's good in the run game, even though he's kind of slight and he's not very thick. I mean, he's really good against the run. And I, I really love Colvin. I didn't get to watch him a lot. He was injured. I know he didn't like play well when he was out there, but I'd like to see what he'll do this year. And, okay. Uh, especially if he gets, ends up playing that nickel role, because that's where he flourished in Jacksonville, is in that nickel spot. So I think he's going to really be back to his natural position, um, playing slot receivers, you know, playing in the box when he needs to. And um, I think that you guys will really like him this year. I would say just be patient with him and just give him another year. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, I like what I saw in Jacksonville. I don't want to play him on the outside. I prefer to play him in the slot. Uh, I think he's physical enough to – uh, shed blocks and be good in the run game, and then, um, like you mentioned, uh, we saw I saw a couple plays where he was great on corner blitzes. Uh, and, and Romeo likes to send the corners on blitzes. I think Tyron Matthew had like his most the most amount of sacks he's ever had in his career last year. So uh, I, I want to be patient with Colvin. And honestly, like I don't know why Texans fans are so ready to give up on him. We don't really have another corner. <laughs> like our our corner position is is just as depleted as our offensive line. Those two are neck and neck for worst position groups on the team. Um, Roby's pretty good, so, isn't he? Roby? Yeah. Bradley? Yeah, I, I like Bradley Roby. Mm-hmm. I think he was a major signing. Most people don't like Bradley Roby. Okay. Um, but a lot of people don't like him because he played next to Chris Harris and Akub Tillian. Yeah. Uh, so he, they didn't really get to see what he's capable of. He's a he's a man corner that can run a – I think it was like a 4-3. He's extremely fast. Um, he's tall. He's lanky. I mean, it's a one-year deal. I think Bradley will be fine. I think if we can have him and Colvin just be above average, I think we'll be fine because we have the pass rush to be able to yeah. generate enough to where you don't really need to cover for too long. But and Jonathan Joseph's solid. I mean, he's getting up there in age, obviously, <laughs> but I mean, he's solid. Yeah. I mean, he's guy. I mean, you can feel good about him back there. You know, I mean, he's number five all time in the NFL for pass defended. <laughs> Deflections. Nobody knows that, but he's number five, and after this year, he'll be number two or three. Wow. So, Jonathan Joseph's fine. Yeah. He, you just can't have him play man. You got to leave him on his own and mm-hmm. in, in his own, and just not. If he gets burned, you just know that he's not catching up. But uh, I mean, he's also a great teammate and great coach for the young corners. So, yeah. uh, I, I I'm fine with it. I will, he'll he'll be a, a quarterbacks coach for us once he retires, whether it's next year or the year after that. Um. All right, take us through the draft. Uh, take us through. Obviously, we know Josh Allen uh, out of Kentucky yeah. was drafted. Uh, big, 
big get for you guys. Uh, you guys love pass rushers, and somehow you guys always tend to have the great ones fall to you. Um, you know, I mean, outside of Josh Allen, like Josh Allen uh, and then Juwan Taylor in the second round. I mean, a lot of people. That's right. Juwan Taylor projected to be a first round first grade round. offensive lineman. We have a huge, huge need at right tackle. Like we literally don't have a right tackle until he was drafted. I was actually in the camp that was was fine with taking him at seven. I, oh, okay. I and the reason why is because he is a lot more technical than people think. He got this reputation of being just like a you know big mauler, but that's not at all. I mean, he's more of a tactician, technician than he is a mauler. I mean, he he was, mm. he's graded out as like the best run blocking lineman in the draft. And if we're gonna play Fournette and have one Fournette to be successful, you're gonna need someone like that. He, yeah. he really takes really good angles. He if he gets his hands on you, you're done. He I mean he's strong. I mean he he really is I think one of the most underrated players in the draft. And the fact that he fell in the second round was just unbelievable. And the fact that we got him I think was a home run. Just those two picks alone. Um, the other picks are starting to grow on me. In the third round, we took a tight end out of San Jose State named Josh Olson, who yep um, can't block at all. And he's literally a move tight end, wide tight end. Uh, but we don't have a really a good blocking tight end on the roster. We have Jeff Swain from the Cowboys last year, who is a blocking tight end, but is he good? I don't know. Uh, we're bringing back James O'Shaughnessy, who, again, is he good? Not really. But So tight end, I'm a little concerned. They said he, he has a big learning curve. Josh Olson does. So I don't expect to see him producing much this year, but maybe – 2020, 2021, he's a guy that could – super athletic guy, great hands, basically just a big wide receiver. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. In the fourth round, they took Quincy Williams, who was Quinnen Williams' brother. Um, Quinn Williams oh. was drafted um, early. Yeah, yes. and um, he is a – some call him a safety, some call him a linebacker. I mean, he's this hybrid – Again, okay. like guys, like small for linebacker, but kind of big for a safety. And I mean, he, I mean, when you watch his highlight film, it's one of the nastiest things you'll ever see. I'm not kidding you when 75% of the hits on his highlight film would be flagged in the NFL. Like, you're just watching him, you're like, that is not legal. Like, that is, he's not going to get away with that in the NFL, but he strokes you. So, uh, small school mm-hmm. guy, it'll be interested to see uh, what happens with him um, there. After that, we drafted a a running back at a temple, Raquel Armstead. He basically plays, he's a zone zone offense back, knows how to run the inside zone, outside zone, sweeps, fast, second fastest running back at the combine. He can get up to speed quick. He can pack a punch. The only thing that concerns you is that he's from temple, um, and it's hard to know how much. Temple skill will translate to the NFL, I guess, is the biggest issue with him. And then we had a couple other picks of D-linemen that probably won't make the team. And then uh, the pick that every Jags fan loves, the home run favorite pick of the entire draft, was Gardner Minshew out of Washington State. Everybody loves Gardner Minshew. He has the mustache. He's got the jorts. He, like, <laughs> he's got huge quads. And it's just like everyone loves Gardner Minshew. So that pretty much, I mean, First two picks were home runs, I think, and then after that, a uh, bunch of guys that I wasn't expecting to be on our radar. So, 
We'll see. I mean, they they, they addressed offensive line and uh, they didn't address receiver. They didn't address linebacker, and uh, those are the question marks. And we got another pass rusher, so <laughs> you never know. You know, you can't have too many pass rushers. Is what everyone keeps saying. So I guess. I mean, if that defense is anything like it was uh, not last season but the season before, and if Nick Foles is above average, uh, the Jacks could easily be a team that sneak up on everybody yet again. Yeah. Well, uh, what are the thoughts on Doug Marone? Everyone likes Doug Marone because he's like uh, he's like he's like an every he's like a guy's guy. He's your average Joe. He doesn't you know he, his famous line is that. He likes to, after games, he likes to go home and eat bologna sandwiches. You know, you'll see the guy out at restaurants, like, sitting at the bar with, like, three entrees. I mean, he's he's that guy. He's not, like, uh, he's not an elitist. He doesn't, like, consider himself to be, like, smarter than everybody. Um, but him and Tom Coughlin, because Tom Coughlin really runs the team, both of them, the biggest knock is they get really set in their ways, and they don't like to change. They were dead set on running the ball on first and second down, and then if it was a short yardage situation, running it again or throwing it then on third down. And that really put Blake Bortles at a disadvantage because he couldn't play quarterback. He was just managing a game. And um, that's how they like to win. Uh, They asked him last season, how many times would you like to pass the ball? And he says, in the perfect world, zero times. So, I mean, that's the kind of guy Doug Marone is. He wants to just run the ball, win with defense, control the clock, just win those nasty games, which, which, which I think is a better playoff strategy than it is a regular season strategy. But um, right. it's just not as entertaining as watching like the Chiefs or the Rams or teams like that. Um, but then you see that doesn't always work in the playoffs. So everyone likes Maroon. Uh, when they fired Gus Bradley, it was really strange because they fired just Gus Bradley. Like they kept. All the right. coaches on. <laughs> they promoted the assistant head coach. It was very strange. Like I had never been a part of a, a, that kind of decision with my team, where basically they just fired the head coach and kept everyone else. So that was weird. Um, and so people kind of have a, a weird taste in their mouth still because they kind of associate him with the Gus Bradley era. But after 2017, I think he's bought himself at least another, you know, opportunity to show. But if he had another bad year, I think you might see him and Coughlin both get the boot if they have another bad. You think you think both yeah. could go because they? I mean, that Nick Foles decision was was big, and that could either define them or that could set us back for a couple of years because we're locked into Nick Foles for at least three years. And uh, so, with this defense, the window we have is pretty small, I think. And I think that's where everyone's kind of in panic mode right now. But I, I like him. You know, as someone that's followed the team for a long time, he's the kind of coach that I like. Um, He's not Bill O'Brien where he does everything, which is my favorite type. But my second favorite type is a guy like Marone, who's like gritty and, and smash mouth. And he has had issues controlling the locker room, though. So that's something that the national media has been bringing up a lot lately. So we'll see what happens in the future. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think with uh, Marone and uh, Bill O'Brien, I think they're very similar. Um, styles of, of the way they approach the game. Um, Bill O'Brien wants to smash – he wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, doesn't want to throw every time. He'd prefer to just kind of limit the opportunities of a turnover uh, and play it very safe. And, uh, you know, it doesn't work out well for you long term. So I'm, I'm hoping that 
we see Bill O'Brien take it to the next level. Uh, all right, Jason, what else do you want to cover before we let you get back to it? I know you got to record your podcast tonight. Any Anything about the Texans or Jags that we need to discuss that maybe we haven't yet? Um, when, uh, when are, when is it, I can't remember the schedule right now. When are we playing next season? Is it, uh, we are playing, let me pull it up. Looks like September 15th and November 3rd. So you guys are coming here November 3rd and we're going to you. Uh, wait, aren't we the London game? Yes, we are the London game. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be going to that? I wish, um, but no. <laughs> I have a buddy who lives over in England, and he wanted me to come, but it's just so expensive. I mean, it is. I know. I, I've, I've talked to the wife and was like, hey, like if I can do one thing this year, I think that'd be like the coolest thing I could do. <laughs> yeah, I know it would be. Uh, I know they do. They sell like packages and stuff to go over there, but. It's even more expensive through the packages, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Just, I mean, it's, we typically play well in the, in England. Um, no, I know. The last season we we did we lost last year, but <laughs> before that we usually we played the Eagles there last year, and, uh, and uh, it was uh, we should have won that game. We kind of got screwed on a bad call, but uh, it was uh, we usually played well there. So I'm kind of happy that we're playing a divisional rival there this year because yeah, kind of have an advantage there. Our players are used it's to our- the travel and all that. Yeah, it's our first time going to London, so it's it's going to be very interesting to see. Are there any – do you guys have any concerns of being the London team that there's a chance that that happens? No, not, I, I'm not really. I mean, our owner, Shot Khan, has invested so much money into the city of Jacksonville that it would just be dumb of him to leave. I mean, he has done – Even though he bought Wembley Stadium? Well, he tried to buy it, and the deal fell through. So he actually doesn't oh. own it. Yeah. So that did scare everybody. Um, but really, a more realistic thing was like playing half the season there and then half the season here, uh, which would have been terrible still. But it just isn't very realistic for a team to play home games there every week and for teams to travel there every week. I mean, I know they do like three or four games a year there, but bumping that to eight, I mean, that's. That's logistically not not a good idea for the NFL, and I think you may see a team there one day, but it, I don't think it'll be the Jags. I mean, they're we're pretty we're pretty locked in here. I mean, we don't we don't have like the highest revenue numbers just because we're a small market, um, but as far as like fans, we have some pretty passionate fans down here. Um, so I don't think I mean that's not something that's concerned me. Um, he's yet to do something. He's yet to lie to the fan base. and No, he seems like a great owner. And I doubt that he's going to start now, you know, so. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Jason. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming on and talking to us about the Jaguars and giving your kind of your perception of the Texans. Um, if you can, you know, tell uh, our listeners kind of where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, and then also uh, the name of your podcast and where they can find that as well in case they ever want to do some uh, detective work. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on I'm jtrent904, um, and then we're on Twitter at another Jags Pod, and um, we do a YouTube live show. But you know, I would imagine that any of your Texans listeners would care too much about the Jags. But you, we we can tease that um, 
I, we do want to try to get you on here on our podcast soon. So um, be looking for that. So that'll be something that, that – yeah. That'll get you some views at least. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think for sure there'll be Texans fans that check it out. Like I know like me and my co-host, he, he tends to listen to more uh, podcasts about the Titans, Jags, and Colts than he does about the Texans. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, some people are like, are into that, and, you know. That's, yeah. I just love podcasts. So I'll listen to anything. Yeah, I mean. Um, well, cool, Jason. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Look forward to uh, talking to you about the Texans here in a couple of weeks on YouTube. And uh, good luck on the season. Hopefully no injuries and all of that. And we'll see you September 15th. All right, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, good luck with the season. Thank you. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine, it's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way, cause we coming for it. It's all for one, and it's one for all. Let's go. Thank you.